1: this is the straight- up breakdown podcast exclusively on the Out media network oh, yeah. tell it to me straight up hello and welcome into the straight up breakdown podcast proudly part of the hill varsity network I am Greg Smith your' This week is going to be a doozy. Nebraska uh, football returns up uh, spring break and pro day is this week. Who else, who knows what else the week will bring, friend. Um, today I'm joined by writer slash editor of Saturday Out West, uh, varsity club podcast host and all around good dude, Derek Peterson. Derek, how are you, man?
0: Uh, I'm tired, <laughs> but um, I'm good. I thought when we got into the NCAA tournament that I wouldn't have to deal with any more like 9 p.m. games that, 9 p.m local time games that went until you know close to midnight but then you know we get probably like one of the greatest tournament games that i've that i've experienced in multiple years uh, in tcu arizona uh sunday night so i i'll take it i'll take it. If, if being super tired monday morning is is um price to pay for getting to watch that game i'll take it
1: yeah, I mean that was a great game um, up until the point to where I fell asleep, um, and then I was just about to ask: Did you get to watch the on, game, or did you fall man. asleep? Come on, man! You, you know me well <laughs> enough to know that I definitely fell asleep um, <laughs> watching that game. I was going to say the, the game for me uh, was the Carolina Baylor game uh, that was that was right in the middle of the day. Um, that that was great um, to see. That um, that's your sweet spot. That, that that is definitely my sweet spot. No man,
0: especially especially on a Sunday if anything's past seven o'clock on a Sunday I'm just like I'm not gonna text Greg
1: no no you know me well that is And mean it's funny because I was actually what it was like 8 30 last night and I, we were actually catching up on Survivor for a second and then I told my wife I go uh no I'm gonna turn off all of these screens and go ahead and go to bed and she looks down and goes dude it's eight <laughs> thirty, that's my bedtime all, all of the different things that I'm trying to keep track of right now are going off Um, and it's time to go to bed. So I did. That's kind of what happened. You guys just got a glimpse into um, the old manness <laughs> that is my life.
0: We've got two very different approaches to uh, to this season of sports. I'm, I'm like, I'm going to stay up and it's going to hurt my sleep schedule, but I want to watch these games. And you're like, no, man, I got to get my sleep.
1: No, I got to get think-
0: my sleep yours Yours is definitely the uh, the more appropriate for for managing long-term health Yours is also I, I i'm fairly certain that I can confidently say this Yours is also definitely the the better approach uh in terms of like you know managing the rapport with your significant other <laughs> because alex hates that i keep staying up and watching these games
1: <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm sure she does because and the part of this is is that i actually saved this this time for me it's really nba playoff time like that's the time we're all sacrificed and stay up um because i always want to see that And plus what as most of you listening know like with so many good teams out west um especially my favorite team uh, though they're not qualified in the good category this year like I'm always up during NBA playoff time. Um, and I, I like to watch the games, period, though, even if it doesn't involve the Lakers on the West Coast. So that's the time that I sacrifice to sleep um, and a little bit of the relationship with the significant other because she does not understand for the life of her why I would want to stay up to watch, I don't know, Golden State Portland in the first <laughs> round. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the Lakers. It starts <laughs> at 9 p.m. tip-off. Those are, those
0: are, those are labors of love
1: yeah absolutely for sure but it's always entertaining um now each week we have a, a few mainstay segments of the show uh the first one is called coach speak where we go over something that a coach player or talking head said and we give you the straight up breakdown of what they meant coach speak to real talk um, this week, it actually comes from none of them. I guess it comes from an organization. I guess the statement was from Dee and Jimmy Haslam. Uh, don't love that they put Dee uh, out in front of this uh, instead of just putting Jimmy Haslam on there, uh, but that's just one of the many problems with the statement here from the Cleveland Browns um, after they acquired Deshaun Watson in a blockbuster trade last week. And I'm going I'm to read a, a part of this, uh, and then we'll, we'll kind of react to it. They said, quote, we spent a tremendous t- amount of time exploring and investigating the opportunity to trade for Deshaun Watson. We are acutely aware and empathetic to the highly personal sentiments expressed about this decision. Our team's comprehensive evaluation process was of the utmost importance due to the sensitive nature of his situation and the complex factors involved. Let's break that down. And then they went on to say a a bunch of other stuff as well. Uh, I'll I'll link to to the full statement, but Derek, what did they really mean by all of this?
0: Uh, this is the redid. We did our research statement. Um, this is the don't don't ask us any questions statement. Um, and funny enough, John Barr from ESPN tweeted shortly after that statement came out that Tony Busby, the attorney for the the twenty two women involved in in still pending civil suits, um, told him Tony Busby told John Barr of ESPN that no NFL teams reached out to him or his clients uh, during the course of their efforts to research the Deshaun Watson situation. And there's a quote from him. Brown's organization did not reach out to me. I didn't expect them to do so and can understand why they didn't, but knowing what I know they probably should have, um, you know, <laughs> they, they, they wanted to trade for Deshaun Watson. So they traded for Deshaun Watson and then, you know, this is what we get. Um, with professional clubs, they spend billions of dollars on PR firms, and then we get the same kind of buzzwords um, with, you know, plug and play sentiments um, for statements like this. And you know, uh, you know, I mean, they wanted to trade for Deshaun Watson, so they did, and they're gonna, you know, say whatever they feel needs to be said. To, uh, to to try to mitigate the the public um, outcry of of trading for Deshaun Watson,
1: yeah, and it's so there's a lot of layers to this, and one of them to me is is that I, I, it's hard to be. Like only upset with the Browns in this situation because it's not as if they were the only team that would have ended up in this spot and having to make this statement. We could have put this exact thing. We could have just tipped the um, graphic and turned it into an Atlanta Falcons graphic. Um, We could have done it and put it with any number of teams that were trying to pursue him that he did not allow um, to pursue him in a trade because he wouldn't waive his no, no trade um clause he had it's so strange that he and Deshaun Watson had even given um, all of the, the 22 women that are accusing him of various things the him not playing last year to get to the point of he is as sought after as he was and he had seemingly all the leverage in this situation to then make this decision to end up picking to go to Cleveland And then they had to then make the statement because, like you said, they wanted to trade for Deshaun Watson um, and they were the ones that got to do it. And so this statement was going to have to come out. I just think that it's the inevitability of this statement coming out and the inevitability of this is just what happens in the NFL. It, it, it kind of bums me out because it, you just would think that at some point there'll be some kind of consequences for behaving in this way. And then there's other, there's just kind of the, the gross optics of it is what I would call it. When, like when Deshaun Watson first found out that he wasn't going to be indicted and then kind of tweeted the ad should have pulled the exact thing, but it was essentially the truth shall set you free. Um, and so like, it, there's just a lot here that just makes you really uncomfortable, but not at all surprised by what transpired.
0: Yeah. I think the problem for the Browns was that um, in, in sort of in tandem with this statement, they give him more guaranteed money on a five-year deal than any player has ever gotten in the history of the NFL um and the structure of that deal is is significantly um in favor of Watson and protects him in you know in a hypothetical situation where he gets suspended why would he get suspended i don't know he didn't do anything wrong but right, if he gets yeah, suspended yeah, why, for the 20 he yeah, if uh... he gets suspended for the 22 season then uh, his base salary is a million dollars, and he gets a forty-five million dollars signing bonus up front. So his five-year, two hundred thirty million dollars fully guaranteed deal, um, he's going to get the vast majority of it, even if he doesn't play football for the Browns for an extended period of time. Um, so you know to to have that be the the contract that he gets, um, you know maybe his maybe his agent is just that good at his job and completely like ran circles around browns negotiators or maybe you know that was the thing that flipped the browns from yeah no i don't want to go there to okay no actually i will go there um because yeah, they was it,
1: reporting that they were out and they were out and, and yep. they came back with something so that would make sense
0: i mean that's a that's a sweetheart contract um and you know if if you know this is, i mean this is not like a one-year flyer on a guy this is not like a you know, like what we've seen with with other instances of guys having checkered off field histories, where they get—I'm um I'm not, I'm not even going to say checkered—the problematic off field histories, where they get you know a one year deal, and it's sort of like a prove that you can stay between the lines kind of deal, and then they get signed to a, a bigger deal after that. And uh, this was this was a full on like the Cleveland Browns wanted Deshaun Watson, and they did—they threw everything possible at him to get Deshaun Watson, and. Um, you know, they're getting buried over the statement that they put out, but it seems like it's a situation that the Cleveland Browns are, are willing to live with, which brings up, I, I think a larger point that the NFL just doesn't know how to deal with these kinds of situations yet. Um, Calvin Ridley gets a, a one-year suspension for, for betting on his own team. And now you've got this going on sort of in the same, the same month, like the same month, yeah, 30 day um, span. Yeah, I mean, th- I mean the end of this, like, You know, the NFL just doesn't know how to deal with this Um, and it needs to kind of learn. But, you know, one of the sentiments that I saw was that the problem is in in situations like this, like what what answer, what statement from a team, what answer is going to satisfy everyone? Like somebody is going to be upset with the way that the situation is handled. Um, A grand jury chose not to indict him. And there are, you know, a number of think pieces that you can go find online and, and read or a number of, of articles. I don't have the statistics in front of me, so I'm not going to speculate about the, the, low, the super low percentage of sexual assault allegations that lead to criminal charges. Um, it, it just doesn't happen very often. But, you know, the way our criminal system is set up, like you are innocent until you are proven guilty in a court of law. And, you know, so should he not be allowed to play? While his, you know, while his legal situation is getting sorted out, um, if that is taken away from him and that let's just I mean, let's just remove Deshaun Watson from the situation. If if person X is dealing with a legal situation and he is not allowed to do his job during that legal situation and then it turns out that he was, in fact, innocent of what he was being charged of, like, how do you you know, how do you reverse course there? Um, And I'm not saying that I think Deshaun Watson is innocent or anything, but I just think like, these are all conversations that NFL teams really, they don't know how to handle. It seems like right now, Um, specifically with sexual assault, sexual misconduct, they just don't, they don't know how to handle it. And, you know, when you see statements from the Cleveland Browns, like what you just read, coupled with, you know, like the attorney of the, that those 22 women saying that nobody contacted him, you get the sense that the NFL franchises don't want to try to even figure out how to handle things.
1: Yeah, I think that that's the the thing that I always come, arrive at is that it's not ju- it's not just that they don't know how to handle it, which is I think I agree with you that is true. Um, it's that they don't they don't want to know how to handle it and want to see what's going to come about. The process of trying to get a better grip on that, right? Um, In that, and I think that I saw kind of a tweet that that kind of summed up the timeline of how this happened. And so, Deshaun Watson in 2020 signed a four-year, 156 million dollar extension with Houston. In 2021, he was sued by 22 women accusing him of sexual misconduct and did not play. And then in 2022, he got a fully guaranteed five-year $230 million deal from Cleveland um, with the details that you laid out, which is just... The basically that the protection that he would get for then being suspended for a year is just that's something, and that does feel to me. And I know this has not been reported, but it, and so this is speculation. It feels to me that that is something that they came back with. Um, and that was the thing that tipped his tipped Deshaun Watts's mind from going to say Atlanta to then going, um, to Cleveland because, like I said, it, it is been, has been reported that Cleveland was out, so they had to come back with something. Um, but the NFL and, and the Browns in this particular case, because of them not reaching out to the attorney of the 22 women, it does feel like they just don't want to know. And I think that it is important that we get out there that the NFL has to, tr- they have to try. Like you have to try and do something. To try and be better in this area and you asked a good question, which is what would be the statement that would satisfy people I don't think that there is one after the team has signed a guy or traded for a guy in this case, I think the better statement is not pursuing him or. It, it, it they would never do this but coming out with a statement saying that you weren't going to pursue him but we know that the nfl would never do that because it is always about the bottom line and it's always about winning games like so we, that just never would happen uh, but one thing i definitely also want. To well point it's out- baked into the mo-
0: sorry it's baked into the model i mean the right. like professional professional sports is a bottom line business and people build their careers around winning and losing Games and if they lose games, they lose their job. And so when you have a guy like Deshaun Watson, who's uh, talent, who it, talent wise is a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield, mm-hmm. like when you have the opportunity to go get that guy, if he doesn't have, you know, a history attached to him, GMs go get that guy. And if they do, it sometimes is a difference between them keeping their job or losing their job. And so when that is like the the When that's the wheel of of your organization, like, like how does like morality doesn't fit into that,
1: right? And it it really never no, you're right. It it really never has. And I don't know how you change that in sports when it's such a bottom line business. Um, And and so it's just a difficult situation but I don't think that you, you, I don't think the solution is to bury your head in the sand, um, which is, seems to be the solution so many times. Uh, the thing that I was going to mention was that um, in response to the trade, um, the Cleveland Rape Crisis Center received more than a thousand donations um, after the Browns traded for Deshaun Watson. And while, man, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this, while it's a, it's great to support that rape crisis center, that should have been probably was the first alarm bell, I guess, for the Cleveland Browns, the response that was going to, that came from that. Um, and then it probably led to in part to the statement that they had to put out. They probably would have had to put a statement out either way. Um, but it, when that is the immediate response by people to the trade that you just made, I feel like you should think twice about what it is that you're doing
0: look, it's really hard to be public with people about sexual assault. It's really hard for people that have experienced sexual assault to, to open themselves up in, in the way that 22 different women have like, the, the like that. And I think that that's something that people need to to keep in mind. Like when, when people start claiming conspiracy theories and, you know, collusion and things like that, like, it's like, like this has been going, how how long have we been talking about Deshaun Watson and, and this situation and allegations of sexual assault? I mean, over a year. He didn't play last year. Right. Like this has been a very long, drawn out process. And it, from the looks of things, it looks like it'll continue to, to be that. Um, That's hard for people that have experienced sexual assault to go through. And I would just keep that in mind when you're, you know, yelling on the Internet about how this is. You know, fake and fake allegations and fake news and whatever else.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And now, one of the other things we're going to shift gears here from that topic to something else that I've actually—it's been going on for a little while um, now—and that Derek is just the perfect person uh, to talk to you about this particular situation, Um, and that's the Russell Westbrook situation with the Lakers and the. The season has not gone well, obviously, uh, for my Los Angeles Lakers, very bad uh, for a number of reasons, not just because Russell Westbrook um, has been up and down. Um, But a a few weeks back, Skip Bayless was doing the Skip Bayless thing where he was on social media um, talking about Russell Westbrook and kept calling him Russell Westbrick. And his wife, Russell Westbrook's wife, Nina, responded to him with a kind of long like very well thought out and a lot of good points were made um, Twitter thread in response to that, which then kind of led, which then led to Russell Westbrook, of course, being asked about it in his next press conference. Um, And of course, Russ said amongst other things that he had his wife's back um, and that he just doesn't want to tolerate um, the Westbrook nickname and that, you know, calling him out of his name and doing all and doing those sorts of things are just too far uh, for fans to be doing. And then also obviously commentators as, as Skip Bayless is. So with that being the backdrop, I want to start here in the, not remove the Russell Westbrook fandom of Derek out of this for a second. We're going to put that to the side for one second and come back to it. It is that portion the, the Westbrook nickname, it's weird to even say out loud, is that too far is that a bridge too far in your mind on the scale of fan trash talk um
0: in 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 talking about degree like like look i'm somebody that called paul george pandemic p way
1: off p <laughs> way and off i'm pretty is so good,
0: i'm pretty though. i'm pretty sure i tweeted it um
1: <laughs> yeah
0: you know we like to hate on teams that that we like to hate on are teams that beat our favorite teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am guilty of this as well. And, and it gets, we, you know, we pick on individual players that fail in front of us.
1: Yeah. Kirk Cousins. Is um, that That's one for me that comes to mind right away. And, you
0: know, that's just something that comes with sports. I, you know, West Brick isn't like, it's not, you know, it's not um degrading. It's not, um, obscene it's I mean uh, when you watch him throw something off the top of the backboard like it's it's appropriate and clever given his name Um, but you know I can understand like Russell Westbrook has dealt with this his entire career yeah. for you know 15 years I can understand why when you've when you've dealt with this for as long as he has dealt with this when you can reach a point where enough is enough. And he talked about in the, the press conference that he had where like his family doesn't want to come watch him even at home games anymore. Cause they don't want to hear it in the crowd because you know, he like, like for his kid, like dad is getting, you know, heckled. Dad is getting yelled at by people who don't know him and they don't understand why um, Russell, what, like, like, it's just, it's funny to go from Deshaun Watson to this. Russell Westbrook has done nothing wrong in his career. He's been a model citizen every single place that he's been. He's been actively involved in the community. He's a devoted father. He's a devoted husband. He's a wonderful person by all accounts. I've gotten to see him uh, like a handful of times in my life, and they were excellent encounters. He is a wonderful person by all accounts. And yet everyone that watches NBA basketball except for you know the fans of the Oklahoma city thunder, or probably the fans of Washington wizards love to hate him and hate him with vitriol. And it's just, it's just weird. And if you're, you know, if you're in that situation um, you're going to reach a point where enough is enough. And like, like, I appreciate him um, putting his foot down and saying like, Hey, like stop doing this. Like, this is enough. This is, this is done now. Like, Russ plays with sort of a, a personality on the court that sometimes invites um, hatred like that. Like, like he, he, you know, he's said publicly that when he's on a basketball court, his only friend is the ball. And when that's, you know, <laughs> when that's, <laughs> yeah, when that's the way you play, like you're going to make some enemies in the league. Um, Patrick Beverly being one of them, um, you know, but I, I just think like, if you get hung up on oh Russell Westbrook doesn't like being called Westbrook, it hurts his feelings. You're missing the point of what he's trying to say.
1: Yeah, and and this is one of these things. And man, it, it, it is like interesting that like the two people that we <laughs> were are talking about, and if you think about the uh, the anger, I think of the broader like sports fan and their sport, like it is really like ratcheted up when it comes to to Westbrook. And I, I don't, I've, I've always tried to figure out, and you and I have talked about this, like why it is that people are so, get so angry at him. And I, I do think it's a, a part of the, the way that he plays, goes into it. But at the same time, that is weird for you to be a random fan of a team. You're a fan of the Warriors and you hate Russell Westbrook. It's weird, right? Like to me, at least, it's not weird to them because there's obviously plenty of those folks out there, right? Um, and so that's always been a little bit strange to me. Um, the the intense dislike, um, especially earlier in his career, I I think it's different um, with the Lakers, and I think it's different with Lakers fans, and I can speak very personally to this part of it. And I think a lot of it, a lot of it currently um, with this current team comes from his unwillingness to change the, his style of play, um, and and him behaving this or like that in behaving this way, like being like uh, just so aggressive with it on the court when things were going well for him is one thing. But him trying to do the exact same thing but missing those shots um, and not playing as well is a totally different thing. And I always thought though that once it started to go a little bit for him, that vitriol would bratch it up, and it definitely has. I didn't think it'd be with my team, but. The guy that I was thinking about, though, as a comparison, when you were kind of describing, like, I don't understand why people like from random teams don't like him. Like, why don't more people dislike Luka Doncic? I guess would be, is, is kind of my question. So if you want to think about a guy who is brilliant on the court, but is a brat on the court as well, and to, the, to that point, he has actually recently said that he is re- not going to talk to officials as much like, why? were But that was it. People noticed that and they knew that he acted that way. They knew that he got all of those texts, but there wasn't the same anger towards him. Is it because he hadn't been doing it for as long? Like th- there are other players in the league and Luke is just the first one to come to mind that I feel like could get some of that same vitriol, but don't. I don't know what it is. <laughs> that that sparks that within people about russell westbrook
0: that it's because luca makes threes luca fits the sort of um archetype of star nba player x in this like era russell westbrook doesn't fit that hasn't ever fit that russell westbrook throughout his entire career has challenged um like the like the stereotypical basketball star because he just doesn't do things the way anybody else did things, and has been throughout his entire career defiantly, Russell Westbrook, um, and like the best comparison is Derrick Rose, and it has only gotten better as their you know their two kind of careers have have diverged. Um, Derrick Rose learned how to shoot threes, and and as his game sort of grounded, like he got better as a, as a shooter. Russell Westbrook hasn't done that. Um, and like everybody talked about, like everybody early in his career, everybody talked about Jason Kidd. like Jason Kidd was this magnificent passer. And when he got older, when his game aged, he learned how to shoot threes. He learned how to be more grounded. Russell Westbrook hasn't done that part of the issue that I have with Russell Westbrook is it seems like people continue to talk about him and place expectations on his game. As if, you know, this was his seventh or eighth year in the league when it's not, I mean, he's played 15, I think 14 years. I think this is his 14th year. Um, he like, part of it is playing with the Lakers and playing next to LeBron who just (laughs) grinds time to a halt. Yeah. And know what to even do with that. (laughs) He, he, I mean, to a degree, like LeBron has completely shredded, um, like age standards for players in the NBA because everybody's like, well, look at what he's doing. Like other players should be able to do that. When what LeBron is doing is absurd, absurd. If you think about it on that, that, you know, that level, um, But like, I mean, like Russell Westbrook is just a, you know, he's a, he's a line of of demarcation for people because he plays his way. He's not going to change that. He's not going to play the way you want him to play. He's not going to play the way his coach (laughs) wants him to play. He's going to do him. And if he succeeds, he's going to succeed by doing him. And he did that a lot in Oklahoma city. And if he fails, he's going to fail by playing his game because it's all he knows how to play. Um, and you know, that is something, I think that's why he endeared himself to, to, to fans of teams that he's been on Lakers are different because it's a weird fan base. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but like, and that's, that's what makes everybody else outside hate him he's just not, I mean, he's just going to be himself and, and you know, that's a problem. Also part of this, I, I try to like remind myself. Um, anytime I we get to talking about social media or something that's happening on social media, I always like have to stop myself and be like, three percent of the population is on social media. This is yeah, this
1: is a really good. This reminder. is, <laughs> this,
0: is yeah. this is the extreme. This is people yelling into the void. This is the extreme. Um, I don't think if I like walked down the street in Chicago, um, well, actually, I have done this, so I can say this. I've worn a Russell Westbrook jersey around in downtown Chicago. And like, I've gotten people that have stopped me and been like, hey, we don't like the Thunder. They took Doug McDermott from us, but I've never gotten any like, you know, screw Russell Westbrook, things like that. Like, I've had people talk to me about Russell Westbrook, and it's been like, he's fun to watch. He's so fun to watch. So, like, social media is, is, is the extreme, and also social media, if you follow sports, is gross, it's just gross like this the fan commentary on social media surrounding sports is gross go look in Adrian Wojnarowski's mentions and you'll lose like you'll lose all hope for society
1: i have i have uh, unfortunately done that and it's I, I don't even know where to begin with like some people and he's I, I'm not the only one like it's like when you get to a certain level um, it's all espn it's stuff just, oh, yeah it's it's just awful and weird like it's not even just that all of it is so bad it's just a lot of weirdness in there. Um, one thing that I do want to also add to your point on why it, why Russell, currently is so polarizing. Um, And and part of it, yes, is, is being on the Lakers. I will also like take it that we are a weird fan base. I I agree with that. Um, Part of it definitely is LeBron in the age defiant. I I thought about that. But another thing that that came to mind too, is it's the contract plays into a part of this currently too, right? Uh, What is it? 40 is it 44 million, 40 million um, a season at this point that, that really, (laughs) but that's not, (laughs) That, that's not, like, Russell's fault at this point either, like, because I saw people um, say this w- when all of the stuff was going down um, with Nina Westbrook, and Russ comes out and says, you know, this is too far, like, well, maybe he should give back some of that money, and it again goes back to fans on social media can be really awful and that you do have to remember that it's not that because i don't think that like your average fan at the arena well it, it, i was gonna say is not thinking oh he should give back money uh but you just well, they, know. Probably, they
0: probably are they yeah probably they
1: probably probably are because that actually goes into something else i wanted to make sure that we mentioned which is just fan behavior in general has gotten even as we've had more and more people getting call, fans are now getting kind of thrown out of games or getting called out. There was a um, uh, incident was it Nurkic recently that threw a guy's phone after the guy got too close to him. Um, you've seen LeBron, the aforementioned LeBron James, like call out people and have them thrown out of games. You, you're starting to see fan behavior get called out more, but even with that, I feel like it's getting worse. Like, yeah, I, I mean. I don't. I
0: like. I. I think about this a lot. I don't know if it's getting worse. I think we're just. We're just. Um, more like attuned to it.
1: Okay. Maybe, yeah, that's fair.
0: I mean, like Malice in the Palace happened how many years ago? Years. And years like ago. that was what two
1: 2000- thousand. Five or six ish, like somewhere in there. I don't
0: know. Like people suck throughout the course
1: of history. People suck. That doesn't change. <laughs> I mean, that's, um, people suck could be the title of this show, but yeah. And like, and,
0: and like part of, I mean, part of the NBA's problem, and this goes to the contract thing too, is like players past a certain point, especially once they get off their rookie deal players are no longer players, they're contracts. And they are talked about as such, and they are treated as such. If Russell Westbrook was making $5 million a year, we wouldn't be talking about him. We would not be talking about him. If he was on a one-year $5 million deal, people would be like, well, just put him on the bench. Okay, he's just not playing well. It's just a bad stretch. Um, one thing I saw Matt Moore um, from the Action Network say, like, the, the average fan just has a really hard time grasping that NBA players have bad weeks and bad months and, and bad seasons, which happens to literally everyone. Um, and like, you know, I, if Russell was playing on the Milwaukee Bucks, this wouldn't be as bad. Same team with same title aspirations, but completely different market. It wouldn't, I don't think it would be as bad. Um, it's just, you know, it's magnified in LA. Um And I think that there are a lot of, especially at Laker home games, I think the percentage of the crowd that is there to say that they're at a Laker home game is significantly higher than what, you know, the percentage of the crowd would be at a Milwaukee bucks home game. That would be, that would be there just to say that they're there. It's like a social thing. Um, And (laughs) not, I'm not like, like, poo-pooing your your fan base i'm sorry it's coming off that way but you know it's just like i think that i think that that plays into it that there's not a ton of like true people there's not there's not as high a percentage of people that are there that are there because they love the lakers and love the players on the lakers and want to see the lakers be successful uh, you know as much as you know People that are there because they want to say that they went to a Lakers game, and especially just be, in
1: that lower, well, especially in that lower bowl, like that yeah, that, just, like, just <laughs> that be area funny. is, yeah, because it's priced out. Like you can't really get the like your diehard Lakers fan. And this has come up a lot within Lakers fans. And anyway, as a side note, is that if you ever like go, if, and I've been to one game uh, in my life, if, and we were not that close. um it, All of the actual fans are up top, <laughs> like kind of around, mm-hmm. and then the people in that lower bowl area that you can see on tv are people that just kind of want to be there or you know in, in the case of like courtside this all of the celebrities um it is a different kind of thing yeah i think i think that's fair it's it's okay um to say i think that's fair
0: yeah i mean and, and if russ brings his family to the game like if nina and, and the kids are sitting in, in the stands at the game they're gonna be in the lower bowl like they're not gonna be up top <laughs> they're gonna right. be close to dad so that they can watch and play so they're gonna have to deal with with some of that and then the you know the other thing too is just that like you know and I do this too. Um, it's just sort of the nature of social media. Like you want likes and retweets. So you're going to try to go for shock value or try to be funny. And, you know, that, <clears throat> you know, compounds. Man, so. that, that, is, that is
1: actually a very- Perfect. It's almost like you do this uh, for a living. That's a perfect segue into uh, my favorite segment of the week. Uh, put them on blast. where we put someone on blast for something that they did or said, put them on blast. I'm going to go first and stare keyed me up um, just perfectly uh, because Twitter is what my, my put them on blast recipient is all about. Um, and it's Darren Ravel. Um He's got to go oh, on. Blast. <laughs> yeah. Cause I just listen. And and it's actually it's it's even better that I did not put him on blast last week uh, when he initially said this. And the reason he has to go on blast is because, you know, he basically attempted to call out a Buick commercial for being weird. um, And then that point got overshadowed completely because he paired that complaint with a weird take about um, NCAA women's basketball, uh, where he said that there wasn't. I'm trying to, sorry, I lost the tweet. Women's coverage gets, women get less coverage during March Madness because there's less madness, fewer upsets, and the bracket is predictable. That's all, it's not the same product. Um, and that created a firestorm, and rightfully so, uh, his latest. Like, I feel like we, like every month or so, um, he's like in the news of some sort for like saying something insane on Twitter, this was just the latest thing. And the reason that I'm happy that i waited to put him on the last is because of course, After he said that, the beginning of the women's tournament has been great. Like, there have been upsets, there have been some really good games. Um, Of course, you've got South Carolina dominating um, in that part of it, the same way that you would have, you know, on the men's side, there's always a team that dominates as well. South Carolina uh, women's team is so good. They're just, their length is just incredible. If you haven't seen them play um, and seen Don Staley's team, like, they're really good. But I digress. Darren hey, you got to, you got to shout out Creighton here.
0: You got to shout out Creighton here. You can't oh, gloss over Creighton.
1: Did I have to? I mean, I, listen, they beat Iowa. They, they did, but that is as as a con, a conflicting a situation as I'm ever gonna have um, <laughs> <laughs> in sports. Like I was just gonna leave that one alone, but I'll go ahead and say it. Like that was tough. Um, I'm I guess I'm I'm happy for the state of Nebraska. Um. <laughs> that case but man Creighton versus iowa i got a situation where can both teams lose uh based on the teams like that was tough for me but i just, I just wanted to see if you'd go there i just yeah, wanted to I see did, if you yeah you didn't have to push me hard on that that was <laughs> yeah. That was, that was yeah that was tough um but congrats to the Creighton team yeah sure but uh Darabelle, he has to go on blast um for all of this and we could put him on blast uh for many more things uh but for this one he definitely has to go on blast because he made another asinine statement uh this time about women's basketball.
0: Yeah he just makes dumb statements he just like he just he just brings he just brings it like to his doorstep. And I don't understand why he continues to do it. Yeah, I mean, if
1: that's to. like, he didn't have to do this.
0: <laughs> you know what? Like if that's your grift and, and you want to, you know, you want to have however many, like what, isn't he over like a million followers on Twitter? Like he's got an absurd, so. yeah, he's got an absurd uh, following on Twitter and he's verified. And like, if that's how you're going to judge um, your yeah, like, two million. worth, worth or success, successfulness, like fine, go for it. Get those followers by acting like a, a buffoon on, on social media. Um, Go for it, you know? But but also like (laughs) I I saw the, you know, this gets brought up every every once in a while. Like there's like somebody that tweeted, um, there's always a main character on Twitter every single day. And your goal is to not be the main character. And like Darren Ravel and um Adam Schefter are just like, I want to be the main character. Like every day they wake up and they're like, I want to be the main character that's what I want to be terrible. And you know, it's, it's a, it's an interesting way to live.
1: Yeah, it is. It's funny. The the main character today is Urban Meyer. Um, I suspect we'll be talking about that a lot (laughs) more in the coming weeks. That's a great way to think about that. Um, But it is so true. Uh, All right, Derek, who are you putting on blast?
0: NCAA basketball officials. Like I understand it's a hard job, but stop giving technicals for quote unquote, hanging on the rim. Stop it. Enough. Enough with the technicals. I'm done. We, stop, stop. I understand. It's a hard job. I'm not here. Like bemoaning the, the, the missed call, the missed like hip check backcourt violation, whatever at the end of the Arizona um, TCU game. Like we don't, we, we don't need to get into that. I understand. It's the heat of the moment. I've, it, I, I, but stop giving technicals for stupid things. Just let them play because I saw in the Arizona TCU game, somebody like hanged on the rim and like shook it. And I know that nobody's going to see that, but I'm sure that that was a hilarious movement for you <laughs> that, to just witness, Craig, like that he was. just
1: shook the rim
0: after dunking. And like, it was a, it was a, a, an outburst of emotion in a very emotional and energetic game. And it was like a cool moment and they didn't tee him up. And I was like, why did, why does he not get teed up? But the, the dude in the Illinois game gets teed up for, for, for what he did which was prevent himself from breaking his back on the floor. Like it, like when you're running that hard at the basket and then just instantly stop by grabbing the rim and your body flings, continues to fling forward. If you let go, you're falling on your back. You are. So if you, if you hang on, then you can center yourself again and not hurt yourself. Stop giving technicals for hanging on the rim. Enough. Sick and tired of it. There you go.
1: You know, it's, that's a but that is a really good way to put the NCAA officials on blast because when you first said that, I thought you were going to say about all of the really bad calls. Like they were officiating. Man, it's at an all it's at an all time low. Um, but also I feel like people are very quick to jump on officials as we're watching replays and stuff like that on TV. Um, so sometimes it is unfair. And, and there's been, there were calls all weekend that were missed. But there, it's not the hanging on the rim, I think is, is definitely valid. Not being able to figure out flagrants and flagrant twos and who should be ejected, like those sorts of things too need to be cleaned up, especially in these tournament games in a one and done situation. Um, but yeah, like we gotta, the, the hanging on the rim is probably the most egregious. Agreed- of them all um, and i feel like it happens weekly in the big 10 during the season um, where someone gets attacked for that uh, but a very very well deserved uh put them on blast
0: yeah i mean like the officiating has been bad but i've been saying this for years i think i think the rule book in basketball needs to be completely thrown out and rewritten and in both at both levels like i just don't think that they're put in a position to be successful officials like the, the rule book needs to be changed across the board um just throw it out and redo it because there's just so much stuff that is just antithetical to what they're trying to do it's just it just is dumb and i think it needs to be rewritten so like from that point you know like i can't get too mad at officials for for doing what they're supposed to do based on the letter of the law but also yeah like especially big 10 officials like the technicals that are handed out are absurd and maddening and need to stop stop giving technicals for stupid reasons let them play
1: basketball yes Absolutely. That's going to do it for us this week. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast everywhere you can listen to them. Rate us and leave us a five star review. If you only leave four, I'm inclined to think you're a hater and nobody wants that. Uh, Make sure you're checking out the other podcasts on the network. Mind Your Own Own Podcast, the Varsity Club, Nebraska Preps postgame show, and the Hill Varsity radio show. Also, check out the Hill Varsity YouTube page. Make sure you go like up those videos, subscribe to them. Uh, You can find me back on there with another recruiting question of the week video. You can also find us on Twitter at Greg with hb and at dr underscore pd i will catch y'all later a hood at media production